Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So we're in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're opening a new book tonight. Um, and it is been, it's going to be an amazing book um, as we've been uh, traveling um, in the pastoral letters. It's just been such an amazing book. Uh, but before we get started tonight, um, let's, let's go ahead and pray. So Father God, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, we thank you um, that it's so bold. May you uh, use it tonight, Father. May we take it into our hearts. We ask, Lord, that our ears and our hearts would be open, Father, to hear from you. May you comfort us in the areas that we need comforting. May you convict us in the areas that we need to be convicted, Father. May you use us uh, in all ways, Father. And we pray all of these things tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So as we're, uh, I'll go ahead and read the, the letter and then we'll go back and kind of break it down as usual. So here we go, starting off in verse 1. Uh, so it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without and without ceasing. I remember you in all my prayers, uh, night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to the remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has been revealed by his appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to, to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Pergolus and Hermonges. The, uh, the Lord grant mercy um, to the household of uh, Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, 
he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to me that he may find mercy from the Lord in the day, in that day. And you know very well how many way, ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. So such an amazing book here um, as we get into um, 2 Timothy chapter 1. A little bit of background I'd like to give you on 2 Timothy. Um, it's important that we get some background because even though we just got done with 1 Timothy, uh, things have changed uh, a little bit different now. And we see uh, Paul writing a letter um, to Timothy, his protege, as we've been following kind of the same thing. But the thing that has changed a little bit here, now we see uh, Paul is a prisoner. He is a prisoner. He's been arrested and he's a prisoner now. And it's interesting um, that he is writing a letter uh, to a pastor, right? He is, he is writing a letter to a pastor, Pastor Timothy, who is the one that's uh, over the overseer of the church of there in Ephesus. Uh, and it's interesting to me, as I was thinking about this, that you would think um, that it would be the other way around, that the pastor would be writing the letter uh, to the prisoner. But we see that uh, Paul has been walking with Christ for quite some time. And we're going to see here um, as he's been walking with Christ, um, he's, as his comes to, we're going to see that his, he's coming to his last days. And the thing that is on Paul's heart is not um, that he wants people to um, figure out a way to, because I don't know about you guys, but if, if I was Paul, I, I'd, be tell, I'd be sending each one of you a letter to try to, hey, maybe send me a, a, a file, or maybe send me a piece of a rope, or try to send me something to get out of this place. You know, I'm trying to get out of here. But it's interesting what Paul does is he uh, he ministers um, to, uh, to to uh, to he ministers to Timothy and encourages Timothy, and the biggest reason he does this because he knows he realizes that he's not going to be around very much longer. He knows that his days are numbered, and so one of the things that uh, I want to share with you: Second Timothy was written uh, approximately 67, 68 A.D. Um, there's approximately some commentators say anywhere between uh, three and five years um, between writing First Timothy and Second Timothy, um, and so a couple of things have changed. Um, we see that now Paul, as he's been arrested, he's um, arrested and he's in Rome. Uh, he's in a place called the Mamertine um, Dungeon. It's there in Rome, and this is where uh, he's at. Um, you can go there today in Rome and actually see the place um, that he's actually was in prison there. Uh, they believed to be the place that he was in prison. Um, it's interesting, it has no windows, um, it has no uh, light at all. The only light that comes in, there's a small hole uh, in the roof. As you now, now you can see a stairwell that they built on the side, but there was a hole, and this time where Paul was there, and they would lower down, they would also bring in the light, but they'd also use it to feed um, Paul. And so this is the, the place that he's at. Um, this is where he's writing um, 2 Timothy from. And so you can imagine um, that the light is very dim, and so it, it kind of, you know, it makes it a, hard for him to write at night. I'm sure that uh, during the night he probably tries to do most of his writing during the day with a small light that he has. Um, we see that this time, um, and the reason why uh, he's being arrested is Caesar Nero is, uh, is, uh, is the one in charge, and he's the one that's persecuting uh, one of the reasons that he's persecuting the Christians at this particular time, in 64 AD, there was a huge fire there in Rome. Um, and some commentators, it burnt, it burnt down about between 50 and 75% of Rome. Um, some people in the commentators believe that maybe Caesar Nero himself had the fire started uh, because he wanted to erect a city that, more, uh, that would have more monuments for him. 
such a humble guy that he was. Um, but as a city burned more than probably more bigger percentage than he ever thought, um, he needed a scapegoat. And so what he looked to is he looked to the Christians. And, and this is interesting to me because I think God's word is so relevant to today. Um, we're, we're starting, we've lived in America. Many of us have grown up in America our whole lives. Um, but a lot of time, a lot of things are start, people are starting to talk about maybe possibly the church being the persecution coming. Um, and some, some commentators or some actually pastors have gone as far to say um, that they think that um, the start of the persecution is going to start here pretty soon. And, and they're saying it'll start very subtly. Uh, and it's been going on for quite some time. We've talked about it here many of times where there are our country, our, our, our administration, everything that's going on, it's been going on since we were children. Very subtly, Satan has been at work trying to remove God from everything. I mean, slowly but surely, he's been trying to move, remove everything. And I believe that he's really trying to ramp it up here um, because um, it's becoming to the end of days. And we're starting to see, and it's starting to become more relevant. We talked a little bit about Ezekiel 33 um, the last time we were together. Uh, we talked about sounding the alarm um, of him coming. But the thing that's so amazing as we talk about, um, as we've been going through 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and now here in the pastoral letters, is that, you know, the cry has been to make sure that we are ready uh, at all times. And we should always be ready um, to go. And so it's important that we, uh, we see that. Uh, one of the things that uh, he encourages um, Timothy at the end, he encourages him here um, to be strong in the word. And this is God's word. And he also encourages him to be strong in the faith. Believing in the truth of Jesus Christ and his promises. We see that Paul will be beheaded um, shortly after writing 2 Timothy. And some commentators believe, um, expositors believe that after he wrote the letter, that, that Timothy hadn't even received the letter and he had already been beheaded. And so we see that uh, what is going on in the persecution. Um, and so just a little bit of background of what's going on. Um, some of the persecution that's going on in this time. And then we'll pick it up here in verse 1. Um, and here we go in, in uh, first, 2 Timothy uh, verse 1. And so it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So this is usually one of uh, Paul's introductions. Uh, one of the things here that's uh, a little bit different is he calls himself an apostle, which he's been in all the letters. Uh, but he wants to make sure that this is the last time um, and we know that this is the last letter that Paul writes. And so he wants to make sure that Timothy know, knows and is encouraged and he knows that he is an apostle by Christ. But it says by the will of God. Uh, one of the things that he wrote in um, 1 Timothy 1.1 in this same area, he wrote by the commandment of God. And so those are the, one of the things he wants Timothy to know that it isn't on his own will. He wants him to know that it is uh, by the will of God. Um, and so it's so important that we see that um, Paul is, is there trusting in that. And also, according to the promise of life. And, and this is uh, probably one of the most important things that we see here in Paul, that he has come to the end of his life, realizing that it's a matter of days. Um, somebody had talked about it, that it, you, somebody was going to be called home with a matter of days. And so it fits very well into what's going on here with Paul. He's under, house arre or under arrest. He knows that he's going to be killed, but he doesn't know when. But he's getting all of his affairs in order. But I love the way that he clings um, to the promises of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And Titus uh, 1-2, which is, we're coming up to this book, and this is one of the other pastoral letters. It says, uh, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised 
before time began. And so we see that Paul is trusting in God, in Jesus, in his promises. And this is what he's laying out. And here in uh, Matthew 6, 25, it says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is eternal life. And so we see here as Paul comes, or Paul comes to the end, he's trusting in the Lord. So here in verse 2, it says, To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. We talked about this, I believe, at the, at the start at 1 Timothy about every time that Paul addressed the churches, um, he always used a grace and peace. Um, I just love the fact that he used, uh, here in the pastoral letters, uh, he used um, mercy. And, and it just reminded me as I was studying this that this is uh, what the pastors need. They need mercy. Uh, and I think that as they have such a difficult job uh, trying to maneuver everything that's going on in the spiritual realm and everything that's going on in the physical realm here in the in, in you know it's going on in 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 our, in our world and it's, so they need mercy um, oftentimes uh, that things are going on in the church so we see that Paul sees that and he gives them mercy but one of the things that I want to draw to here is at the beginning where he said to Timothy a beloved son and we see the softness of Paul at this particular time he had a love for Timothy. And I know many of us as men, uh, we oftentimes, we, we meet men in our lives and we have men that we share other things with. Maybe we share a common hobby with them and we share things with them. And so they become kind of like, we call them today, we call them our bud. We wouldn't call them our beloved son. We would call them our bud. We kind of hang out with our buddy and, and we go every place together. And, and it's funny that our buddies become so close to us that they can actually finish our sentences for us. This is how close they are to us. And so this is the way um, Timothy is with Paul. He has a love for him. And he wants to express that to him here. One of the things that's so important, I believe, is for a man to know, um, you know, here as, as Paul, he knows that his days are numbered. And, and as, as I was studying this, the thing that really brought to, to my mind, as we talked about Richard Gray, there was a man that he knew um, that his time was coming. And the thing that he did with his time, I love it, he put his affairs in order. Uh, he made the phone calls to the people and I'm sure that, that many of us, we, we, if we live a life, if somebody told us that we had, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, we had two weeks, two months, three, two years to live, we would start to put our affairs in orders. And there's many of things in my life that I look at that maybe we want to go to people and we want to say, you know what, forgive me for this. Or, you know what, if they hold, it, hold a grudge against something, we want to put all those things uh, aside. And we also, we also want to, and I love that what Richard Gray did, and, and, and Pastor Ed talked about this on Sunday, that as he talked to him, I love this, that he talked to him on the phone. And I love the way, and, and Pastor Ed said that they shed tears together. And I love that as, as us as men, that we can shed tears together and, and love on one another. Uh, but with the thing that I love the most, that Pastor Ed kind of talked to him a little bit. And he said, hey, uh, we're going to be at the Eastern Gate. And so I'll see you at the Eastern Gate. And he kind of told uh, Richard Gray that that's where we would meet. And, and everybody in the church, they, you know, as they heard this, they kind of chuckled. You know, they kind of chuckled and everybody kind of laughed because it, it's warming to, to think about it. But I love the way that Pastor Ed said, no, I, in my heart, I'm serious. This is where we're going to meet. And so he says, I believe this in my heart. And so I, I, when he said that, I just imagine the time as we, I could imagine in my time that we come to a place that we're going to be in heaven all together. And, and oftentimes I think about we're going to be sharing. And often I've been with many of you in different areas, the trips. Uh, we've shared a lot of things together, some of us, and some of us, not that might maybe here. Um, but I think that as we go into heaven, we're going to spend those times together um, loving one another. And I just, I just love thinking about that. 
So here in verse 3, it says, I thank God who I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you uh, in my prayers night and day. So I love the way that Paul here, he thanks God for Timothy. And this is uh, Timothy in a, in a prison cell with one little light at the top that they would lower down food. And he's thanking the Lord. And, and we remember um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, give thanks to God. And, and there's so many times in my life that um, things didn't go necessarily the way that I thought they should go. And instead of thanking the Lord, I oftentimes would get upset. Maybe not with the Lord, but I would get upset with the situation or the things that I'm going through. But we it, see Paul... It does say in everything. Yes. Not for everything. Yes, not for everything. Yes, in everything. Yes, in everything. And as, as Marvin pointed this out, is in everything, um, which is so important. Um, but we need to remember that many storms will come along in life. There's oftentimes that storms will come along that we're not prepared for. Um, but I love the way um, that the Bible talks about that, you know, storms are going to come along. But the thing that's most important that Jesus is with us in the boat. That it doesn't matter what the waves come crashing. Jesus is with us. And no matter what we're going through, he is with us. Um, it's so powerful to think about the things that he is with us. One of the things here also that I, I love that he is, uh, that he put uh, Timothy on his prayer list. And, and Paul, we see here that he's praying for him night and day, day and night. And so we see that Paul is praying for him night and day. You see that now, um, and this reminded me a little bit about COVID-19. Many of us, as COVID-19 came about, um, the churches, some of the churches closed down, some of the Bible studies closed down, um, a lot of people didn't know where to go, but I, I think we could take a lesson here from Paul. He was no longer able to minister um, to others, he was no longer to be able to share the gospel with others, but we see what Paul did, he prayed, he prayed, he was a man of prayer, and there's power in prayer. I think oftentimes uh, we neglect prayer, we oftentimes we think that, oh, you know, we can gather together, but we should never neglect prayer. It is the most powerful tool we have, um, and it is the most powerful tool against the enemy. We, we've, we've shared this before that, you know, oftentimes that if we were in a street fight, and if, and if, if we were fighting with somebody and they had actually pulled out a knife on us, we would do everything in our power to get control of that knife because whoever controls that knife is the one that's more than likely going to win the fight. And this is exactly what Satan does with us. When we pray, he's trying to get control of that knife because he knows that he has no match for that prayer. Because that prayer goes into the throne room of God. It's so powerful. And so we see here um, now in verse, um, are we in verse 5? Oh, no, we're on verse 4. I'm sorry. I'm losing my spot. Okay, four, it says, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call the remembrance of genuine faith, faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded it is in you also. So one of the things that we see here as he was greatly desiring in verse four, uh, being mindful of the tears, we remember the tears they said here uh, were shed when they arrested Paul and were taking him away in Rome. They were taking him to be arrested. But he said he would have joy when they would be reunited. And he's talking about this reunited would be when we reunite in heaven. Mm -hmm. That we will, we will see together and we will be joyful in heaven when we see each other again. We're going to sit at the welcome table. At the welcome table. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And we're going to know the words. 
<laughs> and it says uh, here in verse 5, and it says, When I call the remembrance of the genuine faith, I love this, um, that what is in your, it dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And so we see something here um, as the grandmother and the mother, they're the ones that had the faith. And we remember that Paul came on the very first missionary journey, and the Bible doesn't talk about it, but some commentators believe that Eunice or um, uh, Lois, that they actually came to Christ and knew Christ through Paul. And so he was spreading the gospel. And later on, he comes along in his second missionary journey, and he takes Paul along with him. Um, but one of the things that I love here is that we see that even though that his grandmother and his mother knew Christ, that we see that, that Timothy, he had to make a step of faith himself to accept Christ. We can't automatically think because I grew up as a Christian or my father was a Christian that we automatically become Christians. We have to accept Christ. We have to accept him in our hearts and we have to you know, uh, allow Christ to work in our lives and accept the grace and the mercy of Christ. And this is so important here for Timothy that he accepted that. And I love the way that it talks about that they... That which dwelt, the faith that dwelt in them, it means that it was always present in them. When uh, Paul would get there, he would see this faith in them. So here in verse 6, it says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So he's actually telling um, Timothy here to rekindle the fire. And I believe that this is needed for each and every one of us today, uh, myself included, and many of us, that we need to rekindle the fire of the gifts that God has given us. Uh, God has given each and every one of us a gift. Um, it says here in, in Romans 12, 6, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Well, you see here, Timothy, he was timid. Um, and oftentimes people would say that he was kind of timid. And why would he be leading a church in Ephesus? And we remember that Ephesus wasn't a church. It, it wasn't a, a, a really a religious place. It was a place that they compared to Las Vegas, New York City, um, TJ. This is the kind of place that they compared it to. And they say, how would somebody timid would be used to spread the gospel in a place like Ephesus? But I love what uh, Romans twelve seventeen says. Um, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. You see, oftentimes, I, uh, Pastor Ed oftentimes talks about this, that we should oftentimes step out for God. That there would, And we tell ourselves that we're going to step out so big that the only way it's going to work is God is in it. And oftentimes that... that when we step out as, as Christians, as believers, as brothers, I, I know oftentimes we look back and we think there's no way that we can step out um, and do this. But we're going to say, Lord, we should say a prayer. And Lord, if you're with me, I'm going to step out and I'm going to do this for you, Lord. And if we do it, the Lord is with us. He will be with us and he will strengthen us. You know that they, they have a saying that the Lord um, does not um, call the equipped. He equips the call. He equips the call. And so, yes, it's so important that we see that. And so here in uh, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is a powerful, powerful verse. And once again, as we go back and we think about COVID-19 um, and some of the things that were taken away at the church, we talked about the Bible studies and no longer being able to share Christ with others. I love the way that Pastor Ed, he, he took to the airwaves, 89.7. Um, that they, there was a commercial on there. I don't know if any of you heard it, 
Um, but when COVID started, Pastor Ed took to the airwaves, and this is the verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7, uh, that he took. And it says that, uh, I just love the way it says, For God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And this is what Pastor Ed, Ed was uh, he read this verse, and so as you, if many people who are either not believers or us as believers, we need to know that if we were shocked by what went on with, uh, with COVID-19, that that spirit of fear did not come from God. That spirit of fear does not come from the Lord. Um, and, and so we need to know that it's very powerful that we would know that. Uh, but he said uh, the spirit of fear did not come from the Lord, but he said he's given us power. Um, and oftentimes I think when we think about power, we think that power has something to control others. You know, when God gives us power, it's like, okay, he's given me power. That means I can tell all these people what to do. I can tell these other people what to do. But this power is to love others. It's not a power to, to order others around. It's to love others. Um, and this is so important because we remember what um, in John uh, 13, 3 says that, um, that this was Jesus. Um, what happened with Jesus? It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, so he had all the power. Jesus used his power to wash the disciples' feet. So he humbly used that power to love others, and that power was to wash the disciples' feet. And this is how the power that we are to use, um, there in the word, in the original Greek, the word that it used for power is called dunamis, which is we get the word dynamite. Powerful there. And also, he's also told us about love. Uh, that this is, He's also given us love. Um, and we remember the fruits of the Spirit. Paul reminded me of this last week. The fruits of the Spirit, we know it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's interesting about this list is after love, all the things behind it are the byproduct of love. They're the byproduct. When we have love, we'll have all the other things. We'll have love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the byproducts. And he tells us also here uh, in verse 7 to have a sound mind. It is a balanced mind or a proper thinking because we need to remember that the battle starts in the mind. The battle starts in the mind. And Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of our mind to, to, to put our mind around the things of Christ, the things of, of God. These are the, this is what God has called us to. Here in verse 8, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, uh, nor of, of his prisoner, but share with, with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. What Paul is calling him here to not to be ashamed, and many of us, we hear the word, do not be ashamed of the gospel, but you have to remember in this time, for somebody to go to the cross and to be crucified, um, it, it is a, a, they believed it was a shameful thing. It was something that there was, you know, they, they, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want to be lifting somebody up that went to the gas chamber or went to the, you know, went to the electric chair. And this is exactly what it was. He went to the cross. And we remember that Galatians 3, 3 says that cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And so we see he tells them not to be, uh, not to be ashamed because Jesus went to hang on a tree because he was cursed. But the curse that he took on was our curse. The curse that he took on the cross was our curse. He took our curse and he took it on the, on, the, on the cross for each and every one of us. It's such a powerful thing for us to see that he took our curse. 
And so I, I love the way that he points it out here that he says, and nor to be ashamed of him. And he called him his prisoner, capital H, that he is the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And that even though they have him under arrest here, and they have him under arrest under their, what they believe that is their reasons why they have him under arrest, he understands that he's under arrest for the gospel of Christ. That Christ has him there. That he is right where he needs to be. He is not asking, he does not wanting to get out of where he's at. He is where exactly where he needs to be. And so I love the way that it points that out there, that he is the prisoner. And we remember we talked about this as a as slaves. We get back into slavery. That a, a slave, when he wanted to, his master, and after seven years that he paid off his whatever he owed um, to that particular master, that he was allowed to go free. And oftentimes some of the slaves, they loved their master so much that they would um, take an awl and they would put it in their ear and they would call him a doulos, which meaning that they were willfully going to stay with their masters. And so that was a marking in their ear that they were would, all would know that they willingly wanted to be uh, a prisoner or they wanted to be a, a slave of their master because their master was so good to them. And, and we see that there that this is one of the things that he wanted to be there and Paul wanted to be right where he was at. So here in verse 9 it says, who has served us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And so this is an amazing verse here. When we talk about salvation, not only happened, the God was working and worked all out salvation, not only before we were born, but before time began. And so we think back, and, and, and I love this verse because many times people always want to make mention and know this tonight. They want to make, oh, well, there's a time that, that Christ started. No, no. God has always been. He, he was before time began. And, and this is what he's talking about here, that he had, he had already put in motion salvation before time began. Before time began. It's so important that we see that uh, it was way before. Uh, but we, I love the way it says that it's not according to our works. And this is reminding me of, of Ephesians 2.8. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a gift of God. And, you know, Christianity. Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. That any man should boast. That any man should boast. Yes. You know, Christianity is one of the only, uh, you know, religions. I guess we call it a religion still. I, I call it more of a relationship. Uh, but it is one of the only ones that we are we we already accepted Christ by what He's done on the cross. We're not trying to earn salvation. We're not trying to earn salvation. It's already been given to us. We're not trying to earn it. We're it's already been given to us. Remember what Jesus He went up on the cross. We've talked about this all the time. His seventh one of His seventh last utterings. It is finished. It's been done. It's stamped right. And so we know that it's been done for us already. Amazing. So here in verse ten it says, but has now been uh, revealed by his appearing our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. And so we see that, that God has conquered death. God has conquered death. That death no longer, we should not fear death any longer. And I know as, we, as I get older and I think about death, um, and, and there is a certain kind of, I know each and every one of us, even though that uh, we know, I know exactly where I'm going. There is a, a little tidbit that says I have a little bit of fear of death. And the fear, I, I believe, is uh, me wanting to cling to this world. 
But what I don't understand is the other side is going to be so much more amazing than this side. And, and I think we lose sight of that. I, oftentimes I think that when we think, um, I'm going to share something with you uh, uh, this couple of days ago as I was preparing for this study. Uh, he's been on my mind a lot lately. Uh, a guy that I worked with, uh, I seen him at Lowe's. I was there working and I was shopping for some stuff and I saw him at Lowe's. And it's amazing because... Um, this guy, he, he drove a semi, and he, would, uh, he had a, a placard on the side of his, that is, of his semi, and it said John 14, 6, right, on, on the side of his. And I would always see that, and he would drive around, and he would say that a lot of people would honk at him, give him thumbs up. There were people who would give him the other one, told him he was number one. <laughs> All kinds of stuff would go on. And so he was just a believer of Christ. Um, and so it had been a couple of years since I'd seen him, and when I saw him at the store, I was so amazed, and I, wanted, I came up and I hugged him. Uh, and I, you know, I was, you know, talking to him a little bit, but he was a little different. He was a little, he was a little kind of standoffishly, um, and, and he didn't really say too much at first. But the more we had a little bit more conversation, he said, "Mike, I want to tell you something." He says, "I don't believe in God anymore," mm. Mm. And, and it, it, it kind of shocked me because if, if you, just like as any of you, if somebody came and told me one of you uh, didn't believe in Christ, and this is how this guy was has been a believer for so long, and. You know, it reminded me of the part of scripture uh, that we're in, and we talked about the great apostasy, right? The people of falling away, of people that have known Christ. And, you know, one of the things that really stood out, and this is like probably two o'clock in the morning that I thought about this, that he told me one of his lasting words that he kind of left with me as we talked, and we tried, you know, shared, try to share Christ with him, and he, he was, you know, yeah, he didn't really have too much to say. Uh, but one of the things that he said, he said, you know what, uh, my life is so much easier now. My life is so much easier now. And he says, I feel happier. This is what he said to me. He said, I feel happier. And I'm sharing this with you. This is what he said. And so I took that home and, and, and I've just been pondering and it's been on my mind. And, and you know, about two o'clock in the morning, this morning, the thing that came to me, that came to me, the reality came to me. Well, of course he feels more comfortable. He feels because there's no more spiritual battle. There's no more spiritual battle and he's no longer fighting with the enemy anymore because he's the enemy no longer wants to fight anymore And so it makes him think and there's so many people and I was one of them That was in the world lost thinking that I had everything I needed But I, I was so lost and I was so far from God and I was so far from his grace And I'm just so thankful that I didn't die in that time because I would have been lost for eternity did he give you any indication of what caused him to turn? With yes, that? I mean, that's I, I, funny how we're getting in this area. One of the biggest things that he uh, that he shared is that he said that he had, had kind of lost his faith because he said one of the biggest things was is he said that he had somebody in his family. Um, he didn't say that they they passed away from COVID, but he said he had been praying more than he had ever prayed for him, and this person had passed away. And he said, "See, God doesn't hear me." He doesn't hear my prayers, but I told him, I shared with him, I said, oftentimes we think, and this is the reason why I'm bringing this up, is we think everything of this side of the, on this side, mm -hmm. but we don't understand when we pray for somebody to be healed, that their healing for Christ will be, I'm going to take them home eternally where there's no pain, there's no suffering, right? It's not our world. Yes, absolutely. So I just thought it was so powerful. I didn't plan to bring that up tonight, but it's just been on my heart. So here in... Um, Verse 11, it says, um, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. And so we, can, we know that Paul was appointed to all these things. And remember that encounter that he had on his road to Damascus, right? We remember that the, the encounter that he had with Jesus Christ. And it's interesting to me as he gets to the end of his life here, contemplating maybe possibly being, you know, executed somehow. He doesn't know. I don't think he knows at this time what it's going to be. 
But he goes back to the time that he had that encounter with Christ, and it reminded me of me, that I think oftentimes many of us, and Richard Gray, as we talked about him, I, I remember, I, I think that we all go back to that day that we accepted Christ. And, we, and, and I think I love the way that some pastors say, that's the best decision you ever made. And I think oftentimes people, when they accept Christ, they don't realize it at that time. But I think when we come to the end of days, we're going to think back on that day and we're going to say that is the best decision I ever made. Go ahead, Steve. Is there a reason, or there must be a reason, I just don't know it, that Gentiles is capitalized? I, you know, um, a lot of the, uh, Steve, a lot of the, uh, for the translators, uh, as they're translating, I'd have to go back to the original text and see if it was actually, I didn't look it up and see if it was originally um, and, you know, something came up a while back where oftentimes um, every time they mention Jesus is, you know, or he's always capitalized as they refer to right. he or, you know, they, right. but sometimes right. in the original text that they, there aren't, they aren't capitalized. Um, and so later on, uh, as they were translating the Bible, um, some of the expositors decided to, to capitalize them. So I'd have to go back and look, but I, I'll, I'll look at it. If I don't know the reason why it was um, well, capitalized. Wouldn't the word Jews always be capitalized? It's always capitalized, yes. And maybe it's just... Uh, Gentiles, it's the opposite. Yeah, Jews and Gentiles. It's, yeah, just because it's a, a band of people. People, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I'll look it up, though, Steve. It's a good question. Good question. So here in verse 12, it says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and, in, and persecuted that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until this day. Persuaded. Persuaded, I'm sorry. Persuaded until this day. You know, one of the things that this reminded me, this particular verse reminded me of, is uh, seven, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 6. Remember that oftentimes that, that Paul is always encouraging Timothy to fight the good fight. Remember that he's always encouraging him. But this is Paul, this is in verse uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And this is Paul speaking here. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also all who have loved his appearing. And so all those who loved his appearing, loved that he had come to planet Earth and appeared. Um, and so I, I just love that there, that he had fought the good fight. And so he is confident that Jesus is going to take him home. So here in verse 13, it says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So we, he wants him to hold fast to the sound doctrine. And we remember as we started off the letter that sound doctrine has been one of the things that has been on his mind. But he has the true words of eternal life. John 6, um, verses 67 and 68 say, um, Jesus said to the, uh, to the disciples, to the twelve, and this is when people were leaving. He says, um, do, you also, uh, do you also uh, want to go away? He's telling his disciples, but Peter, uh, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we all know John 14, 6 also, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? So powerful. And, and we see that those words there are so powerful that he uses them. 
So here in verse 14, it says, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And so this is a, another powerful verse here, and it, it talks here, when it says here that good thing, he's talking about the gospel um, that was entrusted to him, um, that was committed to you. And so he is uh, entrusted to Timothy to preach the gospel. And these are the things that he is leaving to him at the very end, um, that he wants to make sure that, that Paul is encouraging Timothy as he knows that he is not going to be much longer with them. He's encouraging them. What I love here is to keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. I, I wanted to share something with you tonight. Um, one of the things is, you know, if we were um, tonight after the study tonight, if we one of us decided to get on our cell phones, if we wanted to call a pizza delivery guy and we want to say, hey, we want a pizza. And so we, we, we waited around and the pizza guy was coming to the door and he knocked on the door. Ron was nice enough to let us open the door and have a pizza and the pizza guy comes to the door with the pizza and he has the pizza in his hand and he's coming to the door and we're looking at him kind of strangely and he's knocking on the door and he says, and, and as we're looking at him, he's, he has the pizza, the pizza that he has, he has it in his hand without a box. The cheese is dripping down and all the grease and everything is coming and he has this in his hand and as we open the door, he says to us, did you order this pepperoni pizza? Did you order this pepperoni pizza? And I believe that one of our first questions to him would be, where's the box? Where's the box? Right? Our first question to him would be, where's the box? You see, this, this box is a, a 39 cent box. This is what a pizza box costs, right? This is what a pizza box costs. And it isn't, we need to understand something, it isn't um, the box that gets value to the product. It's the product that gives value to the box. It's what's inside. It's what's inside the box. And this is the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. It's what's inside of us that gives us value. And so we need to be reminded that oftentimes when God uses us, we need to be reminded we're only a 39 cent box. Wow. We're only a 39 cent box. But we need to know, we need to remember one thing. If we want God to use any of us, we need to be a vessel just like this box. But one of the things that we need to be, we need to be empty and we need to be clean. And one of the things about being clean is it's not in our cleanliness, it's in the cleanliness of Jesus Christ. That he's came, and he's cleansed us, and he's, and, he's, and he's loved on us, and he's given us all things one of the things, uh, as uh, we think about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we need to remember the power of that because the same Spirit who dwells in us raised Christ from the raised Christ from the dead. And so, oftentimes, I think that this Holy Spirit that we uh, we get our physical eyes and we look around of what the things that are going on in and around us, and we let us drive fear into us. But we need to be reminded that we have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, right? We need to cultivate those gifts and call on those things. It's so important that we would do that. So here in verse 15, it says, This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are, um, I always butcher these names, um, 
uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes. Um, and so these two guys, as they had abandoned him, I, I believe there was people that were persecuting them and they had abandoned him. Um, but one of the things that we remember from Hebrews 13, 5, that it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. One of the things early on in 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17, it says, this is uh, Paul speaking here. It says, no one uh, stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And so we need to remember that the Lord is always with us, strengthening us, even when others abandon us. And, and you know, the Christian walk at times, it is oftentimes that it is a lonely road. Oftentimes when you give your life to Christ, that many of us, I think when we were younger, when I was younger, and, and you know, it's funny, I've been involved with cars my whole life. And I, I grew up in a little bit different um, gr group of cars. I have a love for automobiles just like you. Um, but I grew up a little bit different. I grew up around lowriders, and lowriders were my thing. I, you know, I, I've built some. I've had some all my life. Uh, but one of, but one of the things, <laughs> one of the things, uh, one of the things that's so interesting about that is that a lot of people that I see even now that I know, um, and they oftentimes say, "Hey, Mike, I know your car came out of Lowrider magazine. What happened to that car?" And I said, "It's in the, it's in the garage." I still have it. It's in the garage. And they say, I can't believe you don't drive that car. And I said, my life's a little different now. My life's a little different. It's not about the cars. Those are tools to draw people to Christ. They're no longer, and the Lord knew all of that then. But my life is not about the cars anymore. My life is about Christ, sharing Christ with others. This is what our life is about. And it's interesting because oftentimes, and that, that becomes a lonely road because early on when the people that I knew, I was involved with cars, um, I think that they would say, here, guy again he's going to want to share christ with us so let's go and it's a lonely road but we need to know that christ is with us always here in verse 16 it says the lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he has refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain but when he arrived in rome he sought me out very zealously and found me the lord grant to him that he that he may um, find mercy from the Lord in that day and you know very well how many ways he has ministered to me at Ephesus and so we see this one Cyprus was a, a man who was not ashamed of Paul and he also was never really concerned for his personal safety he always encouraged um, Paul I believe that one Cyprus was a man that was sent by Christ and many times when we go through struggles and we go through things the Lord sends brothers to encourage us. We need to oftentimes be looking for others. And, and it's interesting because I think that oftentimes we put uh, people in a box by saying, oh yeah, when I, when I go to Bible study tomorrow, I know that one of the guys is gonna encourage me what's going on in my life. But we don't understand that the person that's gonna encourage us is gonna be some lady in a store who we don't even know. And that's gonna be the lady that's gonna speak Christ into our heart and change us. And those are going to be the things that, uh, that is actually where Christ has called us. I'm going to close with a story tonight. And one of the things uh, I was reading at, uh, about a man, and his name is, uh, and I know everybody in the room, especially from our, our, uh, our age group, uh, his name was uh, Vincent Frankenstein. And he was a, a guy, and we all know his creation. He created Frankenstein, uh, the monster, right? 
And remember if some of the stories that we remember about him, that he got all of these pieces, right? He went to the morgue and he went to all these places and he took parts off of dead people and he put them all together, right? And somehow, some way the story goes that he put all these pieces together. And we remember that he put those electrical bolts on the side of the neck of Frankenstein, right? And he gave it a charge. And this thing came and it, and it became alive, right? We remember the, the show that it became alive. You know, what, what reminded me of that when, when I, was, I was reading this, uh, it reminded me us here at the Bible study when we would stay and we would build motors. Uh, I often loved it. Once it started, it's like, it's alive. It's alive, right? It's, it's alive. It was so fun to see those things. But one of the things with, with Frankenstein is he was a monster. We all know that he was a, a monster that this man, uh, Vincent Frankenstein, had made. But it's interesting about him is that we remember that he was a monster and he went about doing what he wanted to do. And later on, he would not even listen to his own creator. And we remember that later on, he actually ended up turning on his creator and actually killing his creator. And see, the, the life that his creator gave him, he didn't use it for the things that the creator had intended him to use it for. And there's so many people that we interact in on a daily basis that they, they're living a life that their creator did not intend for them to live. But we need to go out into the world and share the love of Christ with each and every one and tell them that there is a creator who loves them and wants eternal life for each and every one of us. Amen? So we're, like, Amen. we're like a pizza box, but we need to feed the people. Feed the people. <laughs> So, Father God, we thank you once again, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your love, Lord. We thank you for uh, meeting us here once again, Lord. Um, Lord, we ask that, um, that you would continue um, to be with each and every one of us, Father. We pray that you would be, go before us this week, Father. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.